That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. Good morning, y'all. Today, I had the opportunity to talk to my friend, Josh Stover. Um, We chat about his trucks, uh, how he grew up, and other things about life. So, hope y'all enjoy. On Thursday. We'll go down Thursday night. We'll get down. I'll fill it up before we go to bed. Be fine. I'll fill it up in the morning, and we'll probably be able to make it through the day until about six in the evening. Then I'll fill it back up before we go, you know, because we usually party till late. And then right before we hit the bed, I'll just top it off and it'll run all through the night. Yeah, so I like take like three gas jugs and then I like, the next day I'll go to fill them and come back. Do you know how many gallons it's? I think it's a five gallon tank. And that's 10 hours. I think so. I have the double check. So they're not super efficient. (laughs) Dang. They're really not. Because like, I'm, I'm curious of what, if I wanted to go off the grid and... Camp off the grid, that's the only time I should be using it. Yeah, because we use it down there because the beach doesn't have hookups, mm-hmm. obviously, which you can go use the porta potties and you can go use the showers, whatever. But it's just easy just to have the camper. Now, if we went to an RV, whatever you call it, park or something yes, like that, then we would have, then it would have all that. Yeah. But I like the being alone, like not your next one, yeah, like same. arms length away. You go find your spot on the beach and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So. I gotta look into that. Do we, you wanna sell like your that. little one? I thought about it. I really did. Okay, well, if you wanna sell it, let me know. Okay. Yeah, we used it like one weekend, and it, we, as soon as you turn the second AC, you didn't kick it. <laughs> so, like, we didn't run the whole weekend with like one AC and then shut it off, and again, yeah. Uh, okay. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. Because it gets too hot on the beach. Yeah. So, so. <clears throat> what size engines are in these? Like, they're diesel engines in these trucks. Mm-hmm. What size? How do, How is like a diesel engine measured? Liters, I believe. So, like, it's like you have like uh, a car engine is like V10. There's V10 for supercars or right. V8 for trucks. What would uh, a semi be considered? That's a good question because they're 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 diesel powered. So, like the white one has a C15 six and Z Caterpillar motor in it, which I believe is a 15 liter engine. Okay. Um, so as far as like the V10 part of it, I don't really know. Like I okay, just kind of okay. know my engines versus what, so you have your 3406B models, which were the old ones, which were trusty, good motors, easy to work on, cheap to overhaul. Your C15, lots of power, expensive to work on. And those are the newer engines? Yeah, C15. And then it now here, has got a red top Cummins and 14 good motors don't have quite the life <clears throat> you'll probably only get maybe seven hundred thousand hundred thousand miles out of versus a cat getting a million before you have to overhaul them so cat is in when it comes to semi engines cat is more reliable or than like cummins it, but you pay for it yeah interesting which you also kind of pay for the name with cat honestly oh, okay which is it is what it is because they made good product mm-hmm. you know but so that cummins motor out there i should be able to get overhauled for roughly fifteen thousand dollars say yeah, the cat's gonna run me like twenty to twenty-five to overhaul it. 
but the cat's gonna go an extra 200,000 miles probably. But a compass taken care of could go to a million too. It's, it's hit and miss, you know. So I, I don't know. It's, I've only had to work on overhaul my one cat so far. I've, with owning trucks, you have breakdowns all the time as part of it. But so far, I haven't had to over, overhaul, complete overhaul an engine, but this one is gonna have to, because I noticed it's doing a lot of blow by, which means that the, the rings are wearing out and the pistons, so. What what um <clears throat> what's the manual say as far as like drive time before overhaul or at overhaul? Um, it kind of varies on how they're used. Okay. Um, like how how often would you get your truck overhauled? Yeah. Every so the white this one out here, you go till you can't. Like once it starts pushing too much. Uh, oil through and you're you're using oil it's pushing out through the blow by you you know it's, it's time to overhaul this thing mm-hmm. ideally i would like to get a million miles whoa and you can just overhaul the engine instead of buying a whole new engine overhaul that engine for twenty thousand dollars and you get another million oh what yeah. what does the engine go for new fifty thousand okay so if i could overhaul for 25 yeah but, but if the older ones the older trucks you could overhaul for cheaper Mm. Um, so, you know, like the older ones, you buy an older truck, overhaul the motor, run it. So this one out here, I'm hoping I can get, I don't know how many miles I had when I bought it. The guy wasn't sure. Thought 400,000. Didn't know. No way to prove it. Got to, got to go with your gut. So I'm hoping I can get another 300,000 out of it mm-hmm. before I have to overhaul it. That's be a win for me. My luck, I probably won't, but <laughs> it's worth a shot. So how did you get into into trucks and semis and stuff. So, growing up, three of my brothers had trucks. Okay. And I was Pennsylvania. What, what was your first truck? My first truck would that I ever bought would have been a 1986 359 Peterbilt. Okay, so a semi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the first truck you had. You first, never had like Oh, a, I've had pickups. Okay. Oh, man. First pickup. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that goes to a lot of vehicles. Okay. So, uh, first pickup would have been a uh, 1986 Chevy Square Body, I believe. Okay. Yeah. It's so, manual? That's all the trucks mm-hmm. back then? An old manual. <clears throat> Three-speed. Uh-huh. Had a little bit of lift on it. And, you know, someone had done a lot to kind of half-ass fix stuff over time so uh-huh. to speak so it was a, it is an old diesel is like i forget the old six point what was it old diesel smoke like crazy i was so proud of that <laughs> i go to town everyone knew i was there it was so loud it was ridiculous wait you over or you put a new engine in there i bought it with Oh, Whatever good. was in it, I don't know. But over time, you know, people would fix this, fix that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. not the right way. Uh-huh. So, you know, like, you had to, it was one of those you had to know how to drive. <laughs> the, the steering was shot in it. Uh-huh. Um, they, if you went over, like, 55, you you know, you'd work Shaking people on the road. Yeah. <laughs> the brakes didn't work sometimes. Sometimes just didn't start. And you had to get under, out and bang on something, and then it would start again. Like, yeah. That would have been my first. I was so proud of that old pickup. Yeah. <laughs> How did you did you work on that truck at all? I just did small things here and there. Okay, nothing crazy. Um, I mainly wanted to figure out why it didn't start, and I never figured that out. I sold it. 
never figuring out why I didn't start. I told the guy, sometimes it's not going to start for you. So what's your favorite pickup that you've had? Um, the one you have now? Not yet, but we'll get there. I haven't done anything to it yet. I just bought it. So probably, I don't know. The one, I had a 2012 Cummins that I was pretty proud of. It was chipped, um, deleted, did really good. It was pretty fast. But after that, I had a, a Duramax that I, you know, lifted custom wheels. That was one of my favorites. Duramax? What's mm-hmm. which? Duramax Chevy? Uh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that one, um, this truck out here doesn't look like it, but I always lift my trucks and uh-huh. put wide wheels on them. And it's just a thing. I don't know. Probably because how I was raised, I feel like I have to do that now. I don't really know. <laughs> what? How much can you tell with one of these? Um, thirty thousand. Twenty-five. That's crazy. I mean, I may slightly be overloading it at that point, but uh-huh. um, you'd put a pretty good load behind them. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Are there big, big? Uh, like, what's the biggest? Because um, my friend and I this past weekend would drive around and just like spotting different trucks yeah is this a this is a dually or no no mine's a single wheel so yeah. a dually what are the what's the carrying capacity of those things like you could tow like you could could you tow like this red trailer right here if you had the right hookup for it, yes you could there is a trailer similar to that red one that has like you know like i explained to you earlier the gooseneck part uh-huh. which is made to go into your truck bed uh-huh. and um i have a friend who owns a dually and he pulls that trailer it's 44 foot long with his 3500 full of cows all the time and i don't know what he weighs but i know he weighs a lot when he fills that trailer full of cows 44 foot long fills it full of cows and pulls yeah. it up and down the road yeah it's pretty nuts humans are pretty fascinating in the sense that like the shit we move across distances right it's fascinating yeah <clears throat> so so tell me again how'd you get into this I, I went with your what was your first truck you had when you were talking about your first semi that you had. The first semi? So tell me about that. That was a 1986 Peterbilt 359, which back in the day was a top of the line. In 86, you bought that truck, you were, you were, you know, in high con, pretty much. Um, and you bought that in what year? That would have been 2000 and so roughly 10 years ago so in 86 that's the model or that's when that it was would made? have been that would have been the year it was built 1986 so I 20 years that. later it's considered still top of it's the line. still considered a more of now a classic oh so okay but in 1986 when it was built if you would have bought that truck brand new you'd be like, yeah he's doing okay oh, okay yeah one of those i bought it because it was i started out with a pickup yeah, so how did, yeah, tell me how that got started. So I actually built portable buildings. Okay. And my, my passion was always to, 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 to haul them. I just was fascinated by it. Didn't know anything about it, but I'd see the trucks roll in, you know, and I'd be in there, you know, swinging a hammer. Um, and I was fascinated. And But it was really hard to get into mm-hmm. because it's, you know, drivers would get snatched up quick because it, it's a good <coughs> job. Um, a lot of guys had lists of guys waiting to drive mm-hmm. back then. And... So I said, okay, I'll build. And they said, well, you build, you know, get into it. And eventually you can drop. Uh-huh. I was like, sweet. For a, for a company. Mm-hmm, for uh-huh. a company, yeah. 
So I started building for them and um, worked in the shop and I also would build on sites, which is where you can't actually put the building in, so you have to build it on site. So I did that for a while and I got a phone call one day from a friend, he's like, hey, so-and-so, his name is Darren, you don't know him, he lives roughly two and a half hours away from you, he's looking for a driver. I said, oh, he's like, here's the number, so I called him and Darren's like, I just hired a guy. I was like, oh man, okay. Darren called me back three days later and said, yeah, that guy didn't work out. You still interested? And I said, yes, yes, nice. I am. So I drove up there and uh, met Darren, sat down with him. He said, all right, I like you. Let's get started tomorrow. So we did. He said, uh, tomorrow you ride with one of my friends, you know, because it's pretty hard to explain what we do without actually being there. Okay. So he's like, ride with one of my friends. I said, okay. So I rode with him and his friend the next day. I was like, okay, this is something a lot to learn you know it's not just getting in a semi and hauling a load down the road like you're oversized you got to fit them in people's yards you got to work with customers like it's it's a lot the second day he's like i'm gonna ride with you now and he puts me in his pickup in gooseneck and he said let's go so i hauled my first load of barns with him what nervous you, as could be what'd you haul first load of portable buildings we call them okay. storage buildings barns uh -huh. yeah and uh he rode with me that day we get back to his uh, office that night. He goes, well, I think you did good. You're on your own tomorrow. And I was like, whoa, hold on. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. And he's like, yeah, you'll figure it out. <laughs> he's like, with what we do every day, you meet a new customer. You need new challenges. You could ride with me for a month straight or me with you. And the day I turn you loose, you're going to run into something new. So mm -hmm. you might just figure it out. I said, okay. And that's how I got started. And... After about six months, he called me one day and he's like, so it seems like you really love what you're doing. Um, would you be interested in buying the equipment and taking over what I do? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 22. I was like, I can't obviously afford, you know, $100,000 worth of equipment. He's like, well, I'll work a deal with you. You can make payments to me. He said, uh, you know, we'll switch it around. Instead of you getting paid 30%, I'll pay you 70% and we'll have this, this lump sum over here and every week 30% will go to that lump sum. And the truck is yours to take care of, maintenance, you know, repairs, what, and you run it like it's yours. So that's what we did. And uh, for a year and a half, I think I paid that man. And uh, finally we got it squared away. And uh, by the time the year and a half is up, you know, you put so many miles on it, it was time to upgrade the truck. <coughs> oh. So I ended up selling the truck, buying another brand new pickup, and uh, that first year I put 100,000 miles in that pickup. Oh shit. And at the end of the year I said to myself, this truck isn't even worth close to what I own at 100,000 miles. And so I started shopping around and figured out you could buy a semi, good running condition, needs mm -hmm. a little bit of work, for half the price of a pickup. Uh -huh. And it's gonna last you Five times longer, Probably. seven times longer. Uh -huh. Not to mention, I just overhaul the engine for twenty thousand and keep running it. Yeah. So that's when I bought my first semi. Oh. Yeah. That's when I bought my first <clears throat> semi. So when you when you went on the ride-alongs mm -hmm. with the guy who gave you the job, your ex-boss. Yeah. Essentially. Sure. Um. Had you known how to drive a trailer like that big? So I used to do. Growing up on a farm, um, you know, me and my twin brother from little on up were, you know, hey, we're going out to pick up hay. We need one of you boys to come out and steer the semi through the field, you know, at 10 years old. 
So at 10 years old, you know, we're standing in that semi, peeking up over the steering wheel, steering a semi through the field while our brothers loaded hay on the trailers with, you know, the skid steers. And then when we got to 12, they would just send us out. Me and my twin brother would be like, take this semi, nasty loader, and go fill the trailer with hay, strap it down, call us when your loader will come pick it up. And so, you know, it was just one of those deals growing up. I've always, we always drove something, you know, and so it just kind of carried on, you know. I grew up pulling trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, may not always have been a big one, but of some sort. Yeah. That wasn't new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're familiar with yeah, what you were I was doing. very familiar with it, yeah. Okay. So... The thing that was new to me was being oversized, over width. Uh-huh. That was my biggest, because it was terrifying. You know, going down the road, being outside the lines, like you're hanging off the one side. And yeah, that was, that was so terrifying the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay, I got to ask a, <laughs> a deeper question. All right. I mean, not, nothing crazy, but <clears throat> have you ever had any bad accidents? I have not. Or like crushing the side of the building or like... I have caught a building on a... Like a guardrail one day, I think. And you have to pay for the damages mm-hmm. on that building? Yeah. You, Damn. you damage a building, even today, you damage a building, it's, it's on you. Yeah. Um, in transport. Or even if you're putting it in and you mess it up doing something stupid, it's on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, all my drivers get a one-month grace period when they start. Because you're new, mistakes happen. After that one month, if you damage a building, it's on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, which usually makes you be pretty careful because yeah. it doesn't take long for that to add up to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So. So now the trucks that you have in your fleet, mm-hmm. which, what's your business called, first of all? Uh, Diamond S Transport. Yeah. I, th- I swear I've. I've s- <laughs> you run Instagram ads or something or no? No, Facebook ads. Maybe I saw something, but Diamond something. I don't know. See, there's a Diamond S transportation, apparently, that I wasn't aware of. But it's around here somewhere. And he Mm. hauls gravel. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Diamond S transport, which the state of Texas let me have, even though it's that close. Uh Uh-huh. Which is odd. So you have five semis in your fleet now? I believe we have, so we got one, two, three semis and two pickups and goosenecks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when it comes to moving like a like a those houses like mm-hmm. how does can you explain the process like how does that work? I know those houses are raised up, right? Um, no, ours are. So we pull out of multiple places where they're built, but the, one of the most places we pull out of is uh, Banketty, Texas, down by Robstown. Okay, where's can you give Corpus me Corpus Christi area? Okay, that's usually what I tell. It's, they're small towns, <clears throat> but, so they are actually built right there okay. and they have just a big building with big doors and they build those barns like tiny houses or yeah and they got like skids on the bottom of them and they pull them out in the yard and we back up and our trailers tilt and if you notice they have rollers on them so they tilt have rollers they have winches on them and uh, you can back up you hook it and you drag that thing up on the trailer it's mm. all in remote control you know, and uh, you drag it up, you can haul, you know, that trailer out there stretches to 53 foot. It's 38 to 53. Mm-hmm. So you can haul multiple smalls or one really big, you know. Um, and then we deliver them out to the customer. And say you bought one, we show up at your house, you say, hey, I'm looking for it in the backyard. There's my stack of cinder blocks. 
I wanted it facing north, lined up with my house. We'll unload it in the middle of the road. We have a little machine. We just unload the little machine and we just pick up one in the building, set some little dolly wheels underneath it, pick up the other end, and we'll just wheel that thing right back in there, put it where you want it, stack the blocks under it, make sure it's level, and on to the next one. How do you get the blocks under it? We lift it up and just crawl underneath and stack them. Yeah. <laughs> what do you lift it up with? That little machine that was on our, all, all of my trucks have a little machine on called a mule. And it's specifically designed to move buildings. It's literally all it does. Like it's oh. helpless to anything else, honestly. Now you lift one side up so it's tilting? So we'll lift one side up, um, stick your blocks under, and then go to the other end and lift it up and level it. We all carry levels, we carry shims, we carry an assortment of blocking. Um, because most people in Texas want their building up on concrete blocks just because of sand um, and termites and whatnot. So we'll lift it up and the blocks get spaced approximately eight feet apart under the building. So the smaller buildings get two rows. The big buildings get four rows. So how many columns? On a 16 by 60 every eight feet. So it's going to come out to roughly... 16, so two. 60, on um, 60 foot long. So oh, it's, it's every eight long. feet. And there'll be four rows. So, you know, eight times seven is 56. Eight times eight is 64. So I'll probably put eight stacks per row. And there'll be four rows. Okay. Yeah. So on the really big ones, that's what you get. Yeah. And you have to take the cinder blocks and everything? Customer provides cinder blocks in Texas. Um, we bring treated lumber that we use to, sh to fine tune it. Like if it's on a hill and you have blocks, we'll get it up and level and, and then we bring our stuff in and we'll fine tune it, make sure it's level, all the doors work. And do those blocks have to be put in with rebar? They get stacked on top of the ground. They're considered portable storage buildings. And if you anchor them to the ground, a lot of counties, if you would pour concrete and then stack the building, it's considered a permanent structure now and they'll tax you. As long as these things are considered movable, a lot of counties don't tax them. So I could push over a house almost. I mean, if you're strong enough to push it over, you, <laughs> let me, you let me know. I will come over there. Yeah. I, but technically, right? Like, if, if something goes wrong, a huge storm, a lot of wind. Huge storm. I always tell people this because there's down by the coast, we're required to anchor them, you know. So then they have straps run down to the ground. It's oh. a requirement. In certain counties, it's required, like Rockport. Aransas Pass, um, anything, a lot of stuff close to the coast are required their counties to anchor them like a mobile home. So Even if it's a small storage building in your backyard just for storing your lawnmower. So because it's anchored, it's not going to sway. It'll keep it from if a big storm comes. But I always tell people, I'm like, let me tell you something. If that building is going, so is the roof of your house. I said, because these buildings are heavy. Uh -huh. I said, if a storm comes through, you're big enough to take that, there's a lot more stuff going with it. And how big are those cinder blocks, just regular cinder they blocks? They are. So a lot of people will buy... They're four inch thick, 16 by 16 inch pads. And you put them down first and then you stack the cinder block. And often one, sometimes too high, especially if they want to get underneath it on the big ones to, you know, do stuff like plumbing, electrical. They'll go that four inch pad, which those are so heavy, it's horrible. And then two eight inch cinder blocks. And then you set the building on top of it. So that. you can't do any higher than two cinder blocks? I don't advise it. Okay, I was thinking the same. Yeah. I I mean, I know nothing about it, but two doesn't seem very high. So it seems like because of the width and the mm -hmm. surface area of that structure, it's pretty low to the ground. Yeah, two is tw 24 inches. Yeah. And so I don't advise any higher than that. Gotcha. Um, just because I'm like, I, 
I mean, you can, but most of the companies I pull for won't warranty it over 24 inches. Yeah. How are they stacked? They're eight inch thick, you said? So they're uh, eight by 16 inch blocks. So that you just stack them on yeah. top of each other. So yeah. total is about 20 inches, right? So it's above the ground because yeah. of that four, and then four got, inch. Then the, the building has a four inch skid underneath it. Oh. So that's where you get your 24. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And that's a metal skid? It is treated wood. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Solid four by, four by six treated wood skid. Yeah. Interesting. And that's how. You know the towing weight of the, the winch you have out there? Um, I think the winch <clears throat> on that big trailer is a, I have to go look. I was going to say a 15,000 pound winch. Like, have you ever had trouble pulling a, a structure up? Yes. Some of the really big ones, let's say, sometimes people actually finish them out to live in before we move them. So or let's say you have one at your house and you've done, spent all the money, you know, sheetrock, electrical, and then you decide, you know what, I'm gonna move it, I'll take it with me. So you call me to come move it. That building now weighs three times, four times what it did. Mm. So at that point, you basically have to back your trailer underneath it and then use your little machine and just push it up on because it will probably break your winch. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about your 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 path and you're seven years in, mm-hmm. right? You're seven years in? Yeah. How has it been? Like, are you? I'm assuming uh, you've grown. If you started with one truck, <laughs> went to five, you know. Yeah. Tell me about that journey. Well, and how did you decide to take the leap and say, "I'm going to do this for myself and not work for a company"? So, first off, your question: How has it been? Um, rough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think trucking is probably one of the most difficult businesses to be in with multiple rigs especially on your own it's, it's hard but once you add that factor multiple rigs it's just a whole other level there is so much that can go wrong mm-hmm. you know and if you can find a driver that can actually maybe identify that ticking sound on the side of the road and be like you know what I can do this to make it home good for you but nine times out of ten, you can. You're gonna get a drive that's gonna call and be like, "I don't know what happened, but it just shut off." And I'm just sitting here. So when you get here, cool. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, going from one to two trucks was difficult because now I'm scheduling for me and him, so I'm on the phone twice as much. Um, but when he breaks down, I have doesn't matter where I am. I have to try to get there to help him. If he has a bad day, I have to try to pick up the slacks. Now I'm trying to do my work, his work, whenever he's sick, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was hard, really, really hard. Um, and I have had, you know, been into, tried other things. I tried flat bedding, like pulling a flat bed for a while, hauling like lumber, mm-hmm. um, steel, whatnot, um, and pretty much almost lost my truck. Like I, yeah, I, so I got back into portable buildings. Was there no money in that? Not, not for what I was doing. There was. Okay. No. And so we got back into portable buildings, started by picking up repos, actually, because a lot are sold in rent and contracts. We do a very high amount of repossessions. Really? Yeah. You're just straight taking somebody's house, like. Yeah. But Sometimes. not just papers, you're like actually driving away with their yeah, house. Yeah, just pull in and load it up and go. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to laugh at people who, <laughs> who've lost their house. but like. Right. I mean, if it's a house, obviously we're going to work with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 we do what we can to be like, hey, you pay up or, or do something 
Yeah. You know, if it's just a building in your backyard and you're not home, it's probably come with us. Yeah, yeah. These yeah. contracts are very interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so at this point in the game, having five trucks is a blessing. But there's days where it is just, I, I'm like, why? You know, you got <laughs> this guy over here the other day. Last week, I got a phone call. This driver blew a steer tire and was beside the road. Another driver was down the valley with his little machine. It wouldn't drive properly. Another driver was having trailer issues. And I'm nowhere close to any of them. Mm. Like, I am hours away. They're all spread out. One was out by Uvalde. One was over by San Antonio. One was all the way down in Zapata. And I was by Corpus. And all of them had their individual issues. And I'm like, I... <laughs> so I took the one at the steer tire and I was like, hold on. Made some phone calls, got someone to come out and take care of that. The one down in the valley, I called him, talked to him. It was a pretty easy fix, talked to him on the phone. The one in Uvalde, he wiggled the plug, got the lights working again. We're good to go. But I think the hardest thing for me was that fine line of where. So the hardest thing growing his business is. You get more work, so you hire more people, now your expenses go up. So you want that money coming in, you know. But, so I would work all day, get home, my driver during the day would blow a hydraulic line or something. So he'd park the trailer here. So I'm getting home at midnight, 10. I have to back his rig into my shop, fix that hose so he can go to work the next day. So I'm up till two, three in the morning so he can go to work. I get an hour and a half of sleep, and we're back on the road the next day. You know, that was, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I can, you know, by the grace of God, pay someone to fix most mm-hmm. of my stuff, which is mm-hmm. super helpful. We still do what we can because yeah. obviously you save money where you can, but that was rough. You know, as business owner, uh, hard on the marriage, like it's just, you know, you're never around. It's mm-hmm. just, it was work 24-7. Saturdays, Sundays, you were working. If you were, when the weekend, you were getting trucks ready for the next week, you know. And so you were always, always working, which, you know, is partially a mindset of having, learning to, to separate the work and home life. But that was definitely, it still is a learning curve, you know. You're a real entrepreneur in that sense. It's, 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 it's hard. Like, I, I don't like, but, the guy, when he bust blew a tire, I was like, man, if I could make it up, they would swap that tire out, you know, real quick. Um, but it was better for me to pay someone to come out, get it done. <clears throat> I didn't stop what I was doing. I kept on working. Yeah. And he was on the road in an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, but I do try to fix as much as I can in my shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a wheel seal right now in my trailer that I got to take care of some point this week. Um, and... I do myself my own oil changes, greasing the trucks. Um, we did brakes on one the other week, stuff like that. Do you yeah. see yourself growing your fleet any more than it is now? It's really hard for me to say no, so yeah, probably. Like, when was when last people time you, come to me? When was last time you added a a truck? Three weeks ago. Okay. Four weeks ago. My full time repo man. Yeah, his last his was the last rig to be added. Yeah. So are these contracted guys that you have? So I have uh, two drivers of my own uh, that drive my own rigs. I have my own rig. Then I have another gentleman that pulls 
one of my trailers. So uh -huh. he supplies the truck, pulls a trailer for me. So that's, you know, a contractor slash, there's an agreement for the lease of the equipment. And then I have one driver that owns all his own equipment and he pulls, I just keep him busy for a percentage. He runs under my DOT numbers. I keep him busy, he pays his insurance. Yeah, and then we have one more rig coming into service here in a couple weeks. Yeah. Nice. So that truck's getting a new clutch put in, just a bunch of stuff going through it. And uh, we've got to do some stuff, but he'll come into service here in a couple weeks. How'd you do your first like bidding on a job? Like, Do you just call and say, hey, I'll move some stuff for you. I got a truck. Like, How does that? So that all traces back to me starting picking up the re repos. Okay. Because when I first wanted to get into barns in this area, hauling portable storage buildings, no one needed help pulling new deliveries to, to people. Uh -huh. So, but then a friend said, you know, they're always looking for people to pick up repos. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So I started making some phone calls. And I got some yeses and some, you know, hey, we'll give you a few and see how it goes. And um, got my foot in the door here, there. And, um, but over the time, some of these bigger companies started to notice that, hey, you know, would you do a delivery for us over here? I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah. And then, okay. And then one by one, I started getting more work. Um, and then once summer rolled around, everyone got busy, 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 busy. Then I got a lot of phone calls. Hey, we have work here. Could you, would you be interested? We have work here. Would you be interested? Which led to lasting relationships, which led to contracts. Ah. Um, and most of what we pull is set in stone of what they charge. Like, here's our rate sheet. You like it? Good. Um, side work, you know, I did a job pulling 26 cabins out of Pecos, Texas to Louisiana. Uh, it was hurricane buildings. Um, that was a bid work, you know, so we do a lot of side work that way. But Interesting. But that, but most of what we do for deliveries and, and the repossessions, they like, here's our sheet, here's what we pay. Um, repo is a little more flexible because you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. Mm. So. When you move those... <clears throat> those hurricane buildings mm -hmm. who gave you the work like the city no that was a gentleman over in Louisiana that owned him he sold mobile homes and he bought a whole bunch of them he had a couple RV parks of his own so he bought several for his own RV parks and then rented them out very cheap rates for people who'd lost their homes oh and then he took others leftovers and sold them to people who lost their homes and i think he offered like you know really good financing and whatnot. wow yeah so we hauled 26 of them over there that's a long rack uh 750 miles one way yeah right on and uh then we went back approximately three months later and delivered 12 of them to somebody who had purchased from him because uh, he didn't have someone to deliver them. So yeah, someone bought 12 from him and we went back and delivered all those 12 to a gentleman that bought all 12 for, uh, for his RV park, actually. He pulled mm. all his RVs out and put these 12 cabins in there. Yeah. There was a question I was about to ask you, mm -hmm. but I totally slipped my mind. <laughs> oh, the repos. You ever mm -hmm. had any people who were like aggressive, like, like, don't take my house. Like, you know, like the show yeah. Repo Man? Or I mean, that's probably a little extravagant. <clears throat> I have had a guy shot 
over my truck one day with a shotgun. Um, normally it's just a lot of yelling, screaming. Um, I've had people like park vehicles around me so I couldn't leave. Uh huh. Um, people standing in front of the building. So what do you do in that case? Call the cops? You can. Often cops can be like, it's a civil matter, come back. Um, but depending what the cop, they like, can't get out of the way. He's full rights to it. There are some times where it's got the point where the rent owned company will actually send a cop. Like we have the schedule with an officer oh. to go out. Yeah. Um, we're, we've got, what, three or four of them pending right now, actually, where we have the schedule with an officer. Go out there. The officer basically stands there and says, behave yourself while we take the building. And then they let us go. Yeah. Damn. That's pretty so, nuts. Yeah, my driver did one of them last week, actually. Yeah, in San Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, real quick, do you have any water? I do. Can I, I do. have some? Please? Absolutely. And then, um, and then we're gonna talk. I want to talk about how you grew up. Okay. Love yeah. to know. Cool. Yeah, just here. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Oh, no worries. What do you want this? Can I put this on the table? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fancy. All right. So tell me again. You had told me when we were uh, waiting to play volleyball. What was the... um, the religion you grew up in, what were they called? Uh, Mennonites. Mennonites. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I remember you telling me <clears throat> got adopted. Yep, yeah, yeah. How old were you when that happened again? Um, eight. But we were with them since we were two weeks old. They got us as babies. At two, me and my twin brother as babies at two weeks old. Um, but our father didn't actually sign the paperwork until we were eight years old to be adopted. Yeah. But you, did you live there? Yeah. I mean, we had to go back for visits occasionally to, you know, but not very many. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had to go back every so month, so many months for visits. Back to... We Phil- were born in Philadelphia. Yeah. So back so to Philadelphia. Yeah. Yes. And then you started staying there full time when you were eight? 
No, yeah. Then after that, once we were done, there was no more visits. Like, actually, I think at like seven, we didn't have to go back for visits anymore. Yeah, something like that. And then it was after that that dad's like, okay, yeah, I can't. I can't do this. Yeah. Uh, and then he signed the paperwork. Yeah. So where... Where are the, the Mennonites? And like, when when were you when you realized... Maybe not realized, but understood that you were following a, a religion called Mennonites. Is it a religion? I think that's the best way to put it. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was probably... Age-wise, about 21. Oh, no, but you grew up going to church. Yeah. We grew up going to church, um, private schooling. And they follow the Bible? and, and yeah, very strict in there. And, you know, some of it's interpreted in their own ways, um, which I personally, I think that's a lot of it is interpreted in their own ways. They have their own beliefs. You know, this is how you do stuff. And we were taught from growing up that if it wasn't done this particular way, like you were a bad person you know like it was this way or no way you know and so and you don't really get the outside view like you this is all you knew mm-hmm. you know this is like it was all i knew <clears throat> similar to um like i just did a podcast with my buddy who was a mormon but this is a little bit more extreme you think um it might be in some ways, yes. In other ways, probably not. But in some ways, it would be more extreme. Um, like, I'm trying to think. Like, I literally, we only went to town. Like, we lived in a little bitty town, so there wasn't really anything there. But like, big city, like Walmart, whatever. We went to Walmart once a month, maybe. You know. Um, what town did you grow up in? A little town called Gratz, Pennsylvania. Rats. Mm-hmm. Just a tiny little bitty town. Hill country? Stoplight. Yes. Mountains. Yeah. Mountains. Yes. With big trees? Yes. Yes. And like you have different seasons and everything? Oh yeah. We had all four seasons there. Lots of snow in the winter. Lots of snow. Ice skate. Played a lot of hockey in the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many acres did you grow up on? Uh, 95. Wow. Yeah. 95 acres. And then we had a large chicken house. And all the eggs went for hatching um, to some big company. They come once we put the semi, pick them up. We had wow, twenty five thousand chickens. Holy shit! So you grew up yeah. on a chicken farm, is what type of farm yeah. you grew up on? Mm-hmm. Chicken farm, and then we had hay and corn. Yeah, that you harvested as well mm-hmm. to sell to grocery yeah, stores. Yeah, they, uh, they sold it farmers or dad would lease out the land to the local farmers around there and they'd come rent it and farm it oh okay yeah yeah so you grew up total farm boy Mm -hmm. i had a brother that had a dairy farm actually he milked 45 cows yeah so every summer was spent bailing hay running equipment um you know yeah milking cows doing chores like growing up it was you had to get up at we would get up at five every morning to go out and pack eggs before we went to school. Pack eggs, take a shower, then go off to school, come home, pack eggs, do your homework, a little bit of time to fish or whatever, and then it's bedtime. Yeah, that's what growing up was. Yeah. Did you ever have um, uh, like different types of vegetables that you would just pick when people rented out the... Well, growing up Mennonite, you've, almost all of them have huge gardens. 
Okay. And even though it was like just me and my twin brother at home, mom and dad insisted on having a massive garden, which then they would in turn cook, can, freeze stuff for like my wow. siblings that were married. They're like, well, you know, they're busy, so we can help them by canning 100 quarts of green beans and giving it to them. And of course, me and twin brother were like, why can't they can their own? You know? Mom's like, because, you know, you're home for the summer. Go out, you know? So we had a, I was growing up on a farm, we had a skid loader. We would pick sweet corn by the skid loader bucket. Like we had almost an acre of sweet corn. You just take the skid loader out there and just fill it with sweet corn and go in, husk it, and we cut it off and they'd freeze it. Yeah. And then in the winter we'd eat it. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we grew up with a huge garden. I, probably this day, <clears throat> well, I don't really want a garden, honestly. You do? I do not, no. Oh, you don't? <laughs> no, I do not, no. <laughs> you spent a lot of your time in the garden? Yeah, summers. Mm-hmm. So how often did you go to church? Every Sunday. Okay. Every Sunday. Dressed. And often Wednesday nights as well. Yes. And dress nice and all that stuff? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, Button-down shirts could be, had to be light colors, like white, blue, light blue, maybe light green, um, and black pants or dark, dark blue pants. Um, couldn't have your top button open. Everything had to be buttoned down, long sleeve. Um, yeah. So, and, and how did you... Like, how did you realize um, the rules of religion weren't it for you? And how did you come about to making the choice to move in a, in a different direction? Okay. Um, I would say realizing it kind of just came about slowly. Because you're honestly so protected growing up that you don't really know so to speak what's out there mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, and it took me um, you know growing up and and moving away and and to realize oh wow there's more to life you know and once you really start digging into it and you know you're like, oh wow like I had no idea I, I grew up believing that it was you know wrong of me to think that this little sports car over here was cool you know or that having a lifted pickup was okay like mm-hmm. I, I we were from little on up we, that wasn't okay <laughs> you know mm, really yeah you know like vehicles had to be black you couldn't have two-door cars yeah i remember like, you mentioning that so many things like that um and all those little things that you that's all i knew growing up yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so to, to get to that point where it was to realize a big step growing, okay. you know, and then not to mention <clears throat> when you do start realizing that and you start, for lack of a better word, start sniffing around, they don't like that. Yeah. You know, so you'll be told, hey, you know, get back in line or we're going to have to figure something out here, you know, and basically you could comply and get back in line or continue to do your thing and eventually they would just basically as they put it, excommunicate you from the church and be like, you know, I'll take part in, you know, church activities, um, whatever, um, until you proved that you wanted to change your life and you would get put on like a six month proving period. And if you didn't change it, they're like, you know what, we're done. Like you got to figure it out. Yeah. Did you do a lot of work for the church growing up? Yeah. A lot of work for the church. Not me really. Um, no, not really. 
I didn't some a lot some did I didn't so much which um, growing up adopted in that community is interesting sometimes okay because a lot of people have their preconceived notions of adoption mm-hmm. um, and so you know there was there was times where that was an issue you know uh, we don't know if we want them to be here you know because you know they're adopted they bad influence you know bring a bad influence in yeah so that was kind of a deal like so we and you know and I, I think I personally think that being adopted also made us a little more curious so to speak on what's out there outside of that which also made people put up a red flag like whoa mm. you know let's be careful how much we associate with those boys because they you know yeah and a lot of people think that in the Mennonites if you're adopted you're gonna leave that's literally some theory they're like yeah they'll leave yeah um I don't know I don't know I've got a lot of friends that were adopted as well and they like all of them have left yeah okay yeah <clears throat> so you're two black kids mm-hmm. you and your brother I yes. mean okay um here's a, a question for my own understanding okay would because just because I'm only asking this because of how fucked up social media is yeah but would you rather be called a black guy or an african-american kid or whatever just curious black guy okay it doesn't matter yeah it's fine <clears throat> so not picky you and your brother two black kids in this mm-hmm. Mennonite community were you the only two kids that are black in that whole community in that particular one we had now their Mennonites have their own yeah, community here community yeah. there community there now there was other communities that had and sometimes you know we would those churches would get together whatever and then we get you know but in that particular one we were the only two yeah so all of your friends growing up are just Mennonite kids, but white mm-hmm. kids, I'm assuming? Yes. yes. Interesting. Was it? Was there ever, um, like maybe you've heard of microaggressions? Heard of it. Okay. The term basically is certain things that are said to you that are joking or whatever, but they're, there's a backhand to them. Sure, 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 sure. When you were growing up, did you ever experience that in that type of community? Or because you were there from such a young age, mm-hmm. you just grew up as one of them? Mostly because we were there such, you know, since we were just little bitty, mm-hmm. just grew up as one of them. I mean, there had been things along the line here and there that people said that, you know, at the time I was like, oh. And looking back, I was like, oh, oh, oh that's what he meant, you know. But, you know, it's it wasn't, it was more along the lines of, so private schooling, me and Joe got into trouble, like, more than other kids I don't know but we did and I you know some people I remember one guy making a comment one time about well what did you expect you know they were adopted yeah and at that point I'm like oh well yeah screw you too but you know looking back I was like oh well okay (laughs) yeah yeah so but for the most part it was we grew up in it that's all we knew yeah and most people just accepted us as you know two little stover twins gotcha yeah. so have you gone back to philadelphia or do you are you still in contact with your family at all no i'm not um i never knew my mother ever and my father when i was 15 years old was actually killed robbing a bank somewhere or a store or something so yeah after that i really didn't wow. have contact with him what about yeah. your uh, the family that adopted you yeah Oh, you still talk to them? I do still talk to them. Um, 
mother actually, my mom actually lives in Emory, Texas, so five hours north. Oh, okay. Um, I have a sister there. My twin brother is just outside of Dallas. Um, and uh, I have two brothers that I talk to pretty regularly. One's in North Dakota and one's in Alaska. Oh, Alaska. What's he do out in Alaska? He actually does... Uh, he was doing construction work, and I think now he actually pumps septics off of cruise ships. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So I know they got big fisheries up there, big ships yes. up there. Yes, big ships. Yeah. So when you were, you said you mentioned when you like kind of saw the rules of the religion. Mm-hmm. When did you make like the choice in your head that you didn't want this anymore? Like how old were you when that happened? Twenty one. Twenty one, twenty two, right around there. Uh huh. And you can make the choice in your head, but it still took a long time because you give up a lot. Yeah, that, I'm that. curious. Like you made the choice in your head, but like, what was the the fallout, and how long did it take you to come to a new normal? Right, because that's all you grew up knowing. So that's a loaded question. Um, so knowing that if I would just sit my parents down and be like, "So I don't want to do this," like number one, that would you know, crush them. Mm-hmm. Number two, most of them would be like, oh, well, then we don't want anything to do with you. Number three, I would lose all my friends I ever had growing up because mm. they're not going to supposed to associate with me. And they're all men nights as well. A lot of them were, yeah, at that point, because that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and number four, the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Because I don't know anything outside of this. Yeah, so for me, it was a long process, a slow process, you know, just, you know, a little here, a little there. Um, and even something so small as, as buying a T-shirt and wearing it in public, which we weren't allowed to do growing up. You could only wear button-down shirts. Um, really? You know, that T-shirt right there? No. So, wow. you know, or shorts for the first time. You know, couldn't wear them, you know. You reg- wear regular T-shirts now, though. Oh, yeah. I do. <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, I've got a whole closet of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, for me, it was a, a slow process. Um, just because of, I probably mostly because of fear, I would say. Yeah. You know, you give up. But, you know, you, it's a whole new life. Was there yeah. anything that you gave up or that you switched that you were like, damn, this is fucking hard, like... To make this this tra- this um, what's the word? Like a certain thing normal, right? Like like you're saying, you only wore button downs. Yeah. Was it weird to wear shirts, and you felt weird? Oh, the first time, I was like, man, wear a t-shirt. I wonder if other people think I'm. Oh no, wait, this is normal. Yeah. Ah, you know. But you felt like you were going to be judged. Yeah, we weren't used to that. Or the first wow. time going to a movie theater because we didn't have movies, TV, nothing. Uh-huh. You know, the first time going to the movie theater is like. Okay. Yeah. But knowing in the back of your head that if you ever got seen there by anybody that you grew up with or your family, that they would be like, what is wrong with you? Being at a movie theater. You're a terrible person. Yeah. Wow. So that whole thing of you have to get to that point of knowing that I'm not, I guess it's the point that you feel guilty about literally everything because it's not what you're taught. Fuck, that's got to be so hard in the mental. Like. <laughs> so everything you're doing is just that 
being learning to be okay with it. Yeah. Like even the smallest stuff. Yeah. Like you you should feel okay going to the movies. Yes. And not feel like you're doing something wrong. Correct. Correct. You know, meeting some friends at the bar. And that was the first time I went to the bar. I think I was, what, 20, 22, 23? I went to the bar the first time and I was like, oh, wow. You know. <laughs> this could be normal. Yeah, this is this could, this could is some people's normal. You know, yeah, like yeah. this is nothing for them to just swing in here and drink some cool ones with their friends. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not a, a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's probably for me the hardest. Now, my twin brother... He made the jump fast. He was just like, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. And he said, yeah, he just dove head and head first. And he said, yeah, it was a little terrifying, but he got over it. Yeah. So that's where we're a little different. It took me gradual, slowly, and he just went. What was the first movie you watched? Do you remember? Uh, I do not. But I do know that. Me and my twin brother actually stole some DVDs from a friend of ours that had left the Mennonites, but still lived at home because they were like, his parents were super chill, which most families, if you left, they made you move out. Uh-huh. So he's still living at home, and me and my twin brother stole some DVDs from him and watched them, and I want to say the very first ones we ever watched was the old, it was the old Dukes of Hazard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's the very first, I don't remember what season or what, but I remember we got like this little stack of DVDs and we watched them. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty nuts. And you felt, did you feel weird watching something on TV? Yeah, the first couple times. Yeah. But you felt like you were doing something wrong. Yeah, you, you know, you felt like, well, I know the first TV that I had, I would actually put it away whenever anyone ever came over. How did you like, hide it? Yeah. Your parents got it for you? No. So how did no, you I get a TV? It. Um, well, when I first moved out, is what I'm saying. When I first moved out and bought oh, a TV, oh, oh, like see. if anyone came to visit, I would hide it. Where did you live then? Uh, for a minute, when I first moved out, I would have lived in Pennsylvania. Yeah. To a small town? Bigger town, closer to like Lebanon. So then you had friends who were Mennonites come visit you? Some. It was a tricky situation because Mennonites are... There's so many different levels, so to speak. You have the extremely conservative ones, and then the the, the the extremely liberal, you know. And so, if you had some in the middle, they'd be like, "Ah, yeah, whatever. We'll, we don't care. We'll come see they, you." Uh huh. Well, you you do, yeah. We don't matter. Oh, they weren't supposed to see you. Though, some because. were, some were, and but even like, you know, like even today. Okay. Okay. If my mom wants to come visit me, um, it was a long time till I was like, you know, didn't feel like I was being disrespectful. By having the TV on the wall, even though it wasn't turned on. You know what I mean? Really? Like, even just, just leaving it off, but just having it there, I felt like I was being disrespectful. Did you... So, in a Mennonite household, there's no TVs? Not at all. What about... They don't have phones? Do they have cell phones? The most plainest, simplest cell phones you can find. Even no, today? Internet. Yeah, even today. Like, they buy... And they disable the cameras on them. They don't have... If you can get them without internet, they will. <laughs> I don't think that's possible anymore. But back in the day, you know, you could get a phone, just a phone, and you could disable the internet. And are they driving like newer cars or like what? Yeah, <clears throat> a lot of them are. Um, they have stipulations, um, like no sunroofs. Like I knew a guy <laughs> growing up. I'm not kidding you. Had a got bought a car, and it had a sunroof in it. And he went in and he pulled the fuse so the sunroof didn't work. And then he actually went and took and welded a plate. Shut up. Over top of the sunroof. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Wait, for, yeah. for what? Like, what's the reasoning the Mennonites say you can't have? Like, is there a reasoning behind so, it? So, that's where it gets tricky. I think the reasoning behind it is they all they want to remain, as they put it, separate and different. And that's a luxury that is not necessary. Huh. So, like... There's so many, so many stipulations. How yeah. how close are they to like Amish? Uh, the easiest way to put it, I tell people, is that Mennonites are Amish with electric and can drive cars. Okay, that's the easiest way I put it. Like a lot of the beliefs are the same. Some are different, but a lot are the same. Because um, Amish believe in you know the whole remaining separate, which is why they drive horse and buggies, and and they don't have electric. You know, so they also believe in you know not an easy lifestyle so to speak you know yeah so i don't yeah it it it's tricky it's it's very there's things now i i look back and i was like really yeah we did that and like that's and, just normal back then uh -huh. yeah. and everything else has moved on towards <clears throat> at least advancements in technology and and yes. advancements in Understanding that everybody has different beliefs, or at least I yeah. hope, yeah, that we're moving in that direction. Yeah, you know, and it's like I don't judge, hold them again, hold it against them, or anything like that. You know, which I have a lot of friends that they do. You know, they judge for growing up that way. They feel like they were deprived of their childhood or their youth or whatever it may. Oh, be. you have friends that have left as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have a lot of friends that have left now. You know, and they they feel that way about them. Like, well, I don't know that that's I don't feel that way yeah you know, I was still raised I had a good childhood you know me and my twin brother raised in the farm you know and you know probably told us our work ethic we have today for starters um, we had a lot of fun growing up you know we built a lot of random stuff and we had good lives yeah real good lives growing up that's yeah. good did you did you guys like um, Amish from my understanding a lot of the the food and nutrition they grow. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that the same with Mennonites? I know you yeah. said you had a big garden. Yeah, we grew a lot. But did you eat like a lot of the chickens that you had and all that too? Chickens were under contract, so we couldn't eat them. Okay. Um, Not even, you, you never had chickens on the side of your own? Uh, no. Not, oddly enough, we didn't. Now that I think about it. We were you allowed had, to take eggs from those chickens? That yeah, anything that weren't allowed to get shipped to the, you okay. know, like we always had eggs. It was ridiculous the amount of eggs I ate growing up. Um, but, you know, we did a lot of a lot of eating your own, like vegetables. Um, what about a cow? Did you have like a slaughterhouse? No, but we had. So my brother had a cow. Well, he had a farm, you know. And How sometimes old was he? That brother uh, was a you know was the family we adopted into. So so in order for this, so it was me and my twin brother, correct? Okay, adopted. Yes, and then a twelve-year gap to their youngest birth child birth child okay which means that i have brothers that are like you know 20 years older than me so yeah. when i'm 12 i have a brother that's married with like you know seven kids you know and so he would have been mid-30s okay know? and he had a big farm and sometimes cows get old and they have to you know put them down and so basically the family would get together and we'd slaughter the cow and we would everyone split the meat you know nice yeah um we all hunted a lot nice so what'd you hunt deer a lot of deer a lot of uh pheasant turkey uh i ate a lot of duck 
Um, but yeah, deer hunting was a big thing. And yeah, dad taught us little one up. Actually, me and my brother shot a lot of squirrels, a lot of rabbits. Dad tossed little one up, you shoot it, you eat it. You're not going to eat it, don't go out there. Damn, son. Yeah. So you're, you grew up eating everything. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. else have you eaten? Squirrels? What else? Uh, Pheasant? Squirrels. Turkeys that you hunted? Yeah, yeah squirrel, rabbit, turkey, um, ducks. We shoot ducks off the pond. You ever eat snakes? Yes. I've tried snakes. What about an armadillo? No, oddly enough. I heard well, we didn't have them in Pennsylvania, so. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, that's about it, I think. Hogs? We didn't have hogs in Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Not wild hogs. That was a new thing for me when I moved down south. Oh. Yeah. How big are the deer out there at the bus? Huge. Really? Yeah, these any... down here look like dogs. For real? Yeah. You got any racks in the house? Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. And this alligator gone right here? Yeah. You caught that? I sh- that was Choke Canyon, yeah. Where is that? Three at? rivers down just two hours from here. Wow. Yeah, that thing was six foot long, weighed 120 pounds. Oh, <laughs> steel braid? You have to use steel braid on those? Bow and arrow. Oh, nice. One of those, bow fishing. That's where both of them came from, actually. Yeah. Damn, that is legit. Yeah. So you hunt with a bow? Yeah. You ever done any backcountry hunting? Not a whole lot. We used to, the most the most I've done at that is we used to go to Missouri every year and hike back in two miles and hunt. But we're trying to plan an elk hunting trip to Colorado where we'll hike back in like nine miles, just live back there for the week and just hunt elk. For yeah. where? Colorado. But where? Um, uh, I got like Pagosa Springs down there. I'm not sure. It's one of my friends is kind of planning, and he's got a couple options. And I was like, well, when you figure something out, let me know. Yeah, but it's it's public land, you know. Dude, I got some buddies at the gym at, that I go to, yeah. and they're going up to Colorado this season really? too. Really? Yeah. Are they to bow hunt? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we'll go to go this year, but we keep. I know we're planning to trying to plan a trip. You have to get tags, right? Mm-hmm. And depending where it is, you have to be drawn to hunt there. But if you go to the right place, you can buy tags over the counter. But how big was this thing right here? Two hundred pounds. And how long goes that? Uh, that one be going on about seven years ago. And you've gotten any since? Mm, not that big. I think I got a couple smaller ones. If you want to go hunt the season, let me know. If you don't have any place to hunt down here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I no, it's hard to hunt around here. It's okay. so hard to find land to hunt around. Yeah, here. Pennsylvania was easy. Uh-huh. You just took went to the farm. You said, "Hey, you have anybody hunting?" If he said no, it'd be like, "Okay." Um, can I do something for you? And he'd be like, yeah, clean out that fence run. You can hunt. I'd be like, okay. Or give me some of the deer. Yeah. Yeah, it was completely different. So have you gone since? Since You've... I moved down here, to yeah. only, I have only gone hog hunting. Oh, down here? Mm-hmm. But do you yeah. plan on going back to Pennsylvania to get anything? Nah, I think I'll probably, if I hunt, I'll go back up to Missouri again. Um, just because I know that. Or go west. Public yeah. lands on Missouri? Yeah, there's a place we used to hunt up there, and it was like 2,000 acres. Uh-huh. It's huge, and we used to hike back in and hunt there. But I probably just end up hunting around here. I'm too busy to plan a more than one hunting trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But down here, I've asked, you know, cause delivering buildings. I run into people all the time. Mm. And you would think that I would find someone to be like, yeah, it's fine. 
but it's leased out, been leased out for years, family, generations, whatever. Yeah. Or they just don't have, no, no, it's ours. We don't handle it. You know, yeah, it's, or it costs you a fortune. I'm surprised yeah. you don't know anybody down near Corpus because I feel like there's some huge ranches out there. There is, and, but it's so leased out. Mm. You know, well, so and so has been leasing it. You know, his family's had it for the last, you know, 10 years and they're not going to give it up, you know. Yeah. But if you do find something, it costs so much, you can split it with four friends. Yeah. My to friend. Make it worth it. My friend has a lease on uh, King Ranch because he yeah. used to work down there. And he gets like Neil Guy, huge. You know who Neil Guy is? Yeah. Huge Neil Guy. I'm like, really? holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is because I work too much to make it worth spending thirty thousand a year on something. That's how much big, one of those costs. They're really big ones. If like, so you oh, get a small shit. one for fifteen thousand a year, ten, and split it between some friends. Yeah, split it oh, between okay. some friends. You know, but I'm like, that's fifteen thousand a year. I'm probably gonna hunt a week. Yeah, out of the year, like yeah. right over the rut. You know, I'll go out there with my bow. Now, if we can kill somewhere, we can shoot hogs. I'll go out there on the weekends and just kill some hogs, just because that's fun. But yeah, as far as the deer goes, I mean, I and I never really found someone that I was like, yeah, I'd like to just have a lease with you because I feel like you would actually help me, mm -hmm. you know. So I just yeah, I never could find, and then I lately I just gave up. <laughs> so what are what are other hobbies that you grew up doing? Um, <clears throat> so growing up, we did a lot of fishing, obviously. So real outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. Your whole childhood. Yes. Like, we would spend hours in the woods building teepees. Um, we built dams in the creek. You and your brother? Yes. Built dams in the creek. Um, we had a big willow tree out behind the uh, house. We built swings with the willows. We built sails for one of our wagons, like a little red rider. Yeah. Dude, have you seen... <laughs> You've seen that movie? Which movie? Radio Flyer? I've not seen it. I've seen previews. Dude, <laughs> you need to watch that movie because if you've built the sails for those, that's basically what those really? kids did. You've heard about it? I heard about it. And they like fly it off this like... Oh, yeah. We would just build them because we would live back a really long driveway. Like our drive was like a mile long. Oh, shit. Know? And so we'd build these big sails with cardboard and then on windy days, we'd go out there and let it push us around. No way. And, like, and it worked. It just pushes around. Yeah. Wow. Um, we had a huge yard. Massive yard so we had two lawnmowers two riding lawnmowers and it was our job to keep the yard mode and so me and my twin brother we had underglow in our lawnmowers we had all kinds of extra lights on them <laughs> you decked yeah. them out mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's, that's pretty cool did. yeah we got bored one day we went out and our our brothers had trucks they had a big shop with tools and um we taught ourselves how to weld wow yeah. um we changed semi tires for the fun of it because our brothers would be like, well, if you change semi tires, you can drive the truck from that side of the yard to that side. And you know, we're 10 years old out there changing semi tires so we could drive the truck. <laughs> so you had a few, and those, I mean, those were used to move hay and such, right? Those, yeah, semis that they, they all drove truck on the side, you know, but they also sold and bought and sold hay. And Oh, these are your brothers? Mm -hmm. Damn, so yeah. you. When it comes to semis, this is in your blood. Like this is since I was a little bitty, there was I was always semis around. Oh, yeah. Now my twin brother went the other way. He does construction, but yeah. I went, you know, more down. But a lot of that started from the days you guys would build stuff. Yeah, I'm you assuming. Know, yeah, you know, and like when we got old enough to get jobs, um, like 15, I got my first job, and I went working for a guy from church. 
obviously, that had a huge dairy farm. Like he milked 150 cows, you know, and farmed, I don't know, five, 600 acres, you know. In Pennsylvania, it's pretty good size. And my twin brother went to work for a guy that built cabinets. I could never have done that. Like, I would have drove me nuts. And he wouldn't have enjoyed farming. And as growing up, we just kind of followed those paths. Interesting. Yeah. So now I have trucks and equipment, and he runs, he does, builds houses, decks, um, portable buildings on site. Um, it's not much he don't build. He can build your kitchen, he can build your bedroom set. Yeah. He, Pretty much build whatever. He well, it sounds like he hasn't started your own shop. Yeah. He'll build the house. instead of moving it for people, you move it for him. Yeah, Take I over. thought about that, and I was like, that sounds like a lot of headache. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what brought you out here? What was the first place you lived after living uh, in the small town of Pennsylvania? I would have moved from there to Missouri. I and don't know why? Were you on your own? Yeah. Why did I end up in Missouri? Friend, friend moved out there and said it's cool, and I was like, okay, man, let's try it. What city in Missouri? Uh, a little town of Lynn, Missouri, outside, and then ended up in Jefferson City. And you were twenty-one at the time, twenty-two. Yeah, twenty-one. Yeah, from Jefferson City, Missouri, went to Florida. Lived in Florida for a while. Ended up back up in Indiana, and from Indiana, ended up in Tyler, Texas. Okay. Um, after my father passed away from cancer, I was like, I should probably live close to mom. A little closer to mom, you know. And so I moved to Tyler. Well, as I got my business going down here, uh, all my work was down here in South Texas. And so I was like, I'd come down here living out of the truck for two weeks and then go back home to Tyler for four or five days. And uh-huh. I'd come down and live out of the truck for two weeks. And I just got tired of it. And um, I met my wife online when I was trucking through New Brumfels. Oh, okay. Yeah, we matched online and yeah. Met up for a date several days later and dated a couple times. You and thought about living in New Brumfels or no? We lived there for a minute. Oh, what? What? why'd you come back down here? You had to drive out here a lot? Um, the whole living in the city. Hold on. Wait, let me see if this... Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, we did. We lived in New Brunswick just off of 46 for a while uh-huh. in a duplex. And there was really no place to park my semi. Uh, I parked okay. in the field until people got mad. And then they, I started parking at a truck stop. And I was like, this doesn't work. Yeah. And so we got talking. And this was our compromise, you know, between, the, like I said, the city, country, living. You know, this yeah. is how we ended up out here. We've got the room to park some equipment. But we're not, you know, in the middle of nowhere. But we're also not in the middle of the city. Yeah. Right on. So... Okay, I gotta ask you uh, another question. Okay, it's a deeper question. All right. So you said you grew up um, in a community that is like a very very strict religion, mm-hmm. um, and you had said you were somewhat like an outsider being adopted to. Yeah. Um, when moving away from there and meeting um, people of different cultures, so I'm assuming. You were around more black people. You were around more Mexican people. You were around more, you know, whatever. I don't know if there's a lot of Asian people down here. Sure. What was that like seeing a shift in the culture that you grew up in to then understanding that there are other cultures outside of that? Was it it weird in your mind to, to grasp it? Yes. 
Um, obviously, you know, I knew to some extent there's other cultures out there, obviously. But it's different when you know and when you're living, like, out there. Yeah. In it. And so, um, you know, the standing joke is I'm the whitest black man you'll ever meet. I remember you telling me that. I, I didn't know better. I didn't. You know, I didn't know different. Yeah. So to speak. You know, so I get out there and I'm like, oh, that, oh, yeah, now that's a standing joke, you know, but I, that's, you know, the first time, you know, meeting some of those, you know, people and they, you know, everyone just assumes you're black, so you're just a certain way, so to speak. Yeah. Um, which is okay. I, whatever it is, what it is. But, you know, I, I'm not that way. I wasn't that way. And so meeting them and learning, you know, some of this, like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And for all of two months, I attempted to be black, black. For all of two months. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually tried to fit in. Or... For uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah for all of two months. But yeah, it's not. That's not you. People are just going to have to accept, you know. Yeah. The white, the white me. Yeah. Dude, it's just very fascinating. <laughs> it's a testament to, to the fact that nobody is just their appearance. Right. Right. You were raised in a culture um, with certain values, and and then just because of the color of your skin, people believe that you're raised a certain another way. <laughs> yeah. It's very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just because I even get that today because of my accent. Uh huh. Yeah. I'll call people on the phone, talk to them, and then roll up and get out of the truck. And you'd be amazed the amount of times people have been like, oh. <laughs> Well, I don't mean this rude, but I didn't expect you to climb out. Yeah, right? yeah, you know? yeah. And I, uh-huh. yeah, you know, I get that. <laughs> and so, and so, there's a part. So, like, um, <clears throat> my dad is um an immigrant. Okay. From Mexico, mm-hmm. came here, became successful. Sure. Um, and he worked. He has his own business, mm-hmm. and sometimes he'll say that there are people who don't expect it to be. So what he does is very specialized. He works on turbine jet engines. Oh, yeah. And so people don't expect when they, they talk to him or hear about him and they see this Mexican guy. Mm-hmm. But he knows more about those engines than literally anybody. Right. You know? Right. Um, and so it's almost like a, sadly, it's almost like a compliment. I Even though it's, it's an ignorance, right. you know? right. You can see it as like that's right. Like I can do it. You know. Right. You may not believe that Mexicans or whatever can do it. Right. I see what you're but saying. But your your testament to hard work and to like. I see what you're saying. I I mean I would say, if anyone's to ask me, I'd be tell them it doesn't matter who you are, where yeah. you come from, if you're willing to put in the work. It's anything's possible. Definitely, it, it, it's not be easy, and it's still even for me. It's still not easy. Don't get me wrong. Um, but if you can, it, it's possible. It's possible. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's the best <laughs> mindset to have. Yeah, and it's gonna. There'll be bumps, and you're gonna want to quit. And you know, if you stick it out. Yeah, if you stick it out. Yeah, but I'll tell you right now with trucks. When you're staring down the barrel of a $30,000 bill from a shop and you're like, I wasn't planning on that right now. Yeah, it's that's you want to just hang it up. But if you can figure out a way to make it happen and work through it and, you know, you got people in your corner that help you out 
you know, and be like, I'll let you, I'll let you pay the thirty thousand off the, over the course of the next three weeks or whatever yeah, it yeah, might yeah. be. You know, yeah, you know, you'll get to the point where you'll look back on that and be like, now I can pay that bill, so to speak, without having to be concerned. So know? how does that feel now? You're seven years in. Do you ever look back and you're like? Fuck, man. Seven years has gone by quick. What's another seven going to be like? Yeah. I just, the other day, I was looking back. Um, I don't remember what I was... I was attempting to figure something out for a bank, um, you know, with the equipment and this and that. And so I had to, you know, pull all my financials and whatnot. And it hit me that average would I spend a month now on payments, repairs maintenance um, on my rigs is what some people make more than some people make an entire year and I was like that is I remember when you know that if I made that in a year I was happy mm-hmm. you know um, I don't know it's 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 crazy but like you said it, t- it goes fast and before you know it you look back and you, you have to Sometimes just stop and appreciate, you know, the people that helped you get there or, you know, like my wife, she's been through hell and back flack, better words, you know, long days, stupid hours, gone on weekends, um, you name it. Um, but it's, I don't know, seven years from now? <laughs> I don't know. You'll be able to look, I mean, if you continue working the way you're working, you know. Be able to look back and say we built a fucking empire. Yeah, seven years. From now, I, I mean, my, I'm one of those guys. My brain never stops spinning, so I'm sure I'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, I feel like, for me personally, I feel like in the shed industry, the portable buildings that I haul, I don't know if I want to go a whole whole lot more into that okay. and start trying to, to to dabble out in other things. Um, ideally, one point I would love to be into real estate. Um, you know, whether it be flipping houses or just, you know, something just that would be ideal. And um, you can do a lot of the work. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I talking about Oh true, yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Um but I would say my dream would be to one day run a cattle ranch. Thousand acres, you know, hundred head of cows, um, able to fish when I wanted, hunt when I wanted. Um, that would be my dream. Yeah, and I have a truck or two, you know, a couple trucks on the side, you know, to, you know, just because once you have trucks, it's pretty hard not to have them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, that what, would, yeah. what would that cattle be for? Uh, beef cattle, you know, okay. sell them um, for at auctions, whatever, for, you know, yeah. That would be my, that would be the goal. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So I like it. If I could really, if I could be my retirement, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or even if I get to that point where, you know, you're not working. Like, even now, you know, I, my average work week is an 80-hour week. Holy know. shit. Yeah. So, Double full-time. Yeah. It's true. They say, you know, when you're building a business, you really do have to put in way over a normal Yeah. Everybody. Week. I explained it to somebody this way one time. I was like, so most people clock out and go home. The owner stays behind and sweeps up the floor. 
he rearranges, like in the grocery store, he rearranges the stuff for the next day. If it's small, you know, he's restocking the shelves. Um, he's, he's cashing out the cash register. He's doing all that things. And I, as a business owner, that is you. You are that, you're the janitor, you're the financial person, you're, fic, you're the mechanic, um, you're all of that. Yeah. So when other people clock out and go home to sleep, it's your job to make sure they're able to come back the next day and get to work and continue on making money and, and providing for their family too because they're depending on you to be able to feed their family, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, yeah, nah, I didn't feel like fixing your truck last night, so you get the day off. Oh, you see, that's a different perspective that people don't see. Yeah. You're responsible for someone feeding their family. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's my responsibility to ensure that he is able to do that. Mm. And if I decide for some reason that I don't feel like fixing your trucks, you have the day off tomorrow and lose a day's wage. That's for no reason. There's a lot of people that's not okay. Oh, uh-huh, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um. So I and I so that that bothers me probably the most out of having employees is to be is concerned that they are able to, you know, I I, I want to make sure they're able to to keep up, yeah. you know, their living. I don't want them to have to take a day off because of something that I could have hopefully prevented. Mm-hmm. Accidents happen, stuff mm-hmm. happens, life happens, obviously. But if it's something that I could, or or maybe sometimes there's been days where I'm like, you know what, I'm sorry, today you're running my truck. Yeah, I need your truck here. Uh-huh. I gotta fix this or do that. So you're gonna run mine today, yeah. Which is really hard at first because you, my truck was my truck. Like, no one just touched <laughs> it. Yeah, I get you. So that's that's the other side of it where you know, yeah, you're you're everything at that f- to get it going and and to make it work. And if my business was saying, I'm sure all of them like that. If you're not willing to put in those, you know stupid hours and long nights and ridiculous schedulers for the first while that you probably won't make it oh, not wow. in the trucking industry it's so unpredictable i feel like that's a lot of industries i think when so you get too. up to the upper echelon of like you know mm-hmm. you're making yeah. enough money to actually survive i think so too it's like it's just that it's just you have to have that i don't know how to put the drive i guess yeah to to when you're dead tired and just, I mean... The discipline, for sure. Yeah, the, the times where I have, you know, just pulled over the side of the road and kicked my seat back for an hour or whatever, or whatever it may be, because I need that catnap for working for 36 hours straight or whatever it may be, or getting to the house and just collapsing in bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or or uh, falling asleep with all my clothes on the sofa because I'm just wiped out, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's paid off so far. And here, here we are. It's, I mean, been blessed, and you, you gotta have people in your corner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you can do it alone. I really don't. Like, yeah. it's, it's a lot. Yeah, you gotta have people that are support you and put up with, you know, I don't know. The no fun. Days, I bet. <laughs> like months and months of just work. Yeah. You know. They say being an entrepreneur is real lonely. Yeah. And then you finally have to, when you get to the point where you can take a break, I don't know how. Your mind feels like it needs to be productive. Yeah. Like it's, that's something that's, that RV out there in my, in my shop was to help, you know, to get a, take a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, 
I normally I you, we go somewhere and my mind just keeps spinning and I think of people who need to car should be emailing or checking on this driver or that driver doing this doing that and so you know the RVs to help get away and and just try to learn to just take a break yeah <laughs> yeah so right on man easier so, said than done <clears throat> tell me the name of your company again uh, Diamond S Transport and what's the smallest thing you'll transport and, and up to what so the smallest we do is the building's eight foot wide and 12 foot long so a little garden shed for your backyard the oh. biggest we do is 16 foot wide 60 foot long okay. which is a house for lack of yeah. words yeah. so if anybody needs that yeah contact me I'll give my man a message and hook yeah. you up and we'll uh, I, we really don't say no we've hauled them all over yeah, right we got on. some right now uh, I had to go to Colorado out of Jordanton okay yeah when are you going out there um, I'm not sure they're hunting cabins oh. is what they are and this gentleman owns land there and he wants these hunting cabins so he contacted me and I was like yeah sounds like an adventure yeah. Yeah, so no, let me know when you go yeah. out there and then another gentleman just hit me out of the blue the other day said I got your phone number from so and so and I got a build, building to come back from Colorado to Fredericksburg and I said huh, you don't say that's perfect yeah. perfect for yeah. you so yeah we don't we move, we pretty much cover all of Texas my designated area is basically I-10 South but we'll run anywhere we had a driver in Longview I had one load in Temple this morning um, you know we pull out of Amarillo occasionally into New Mexico and Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, yeah. We All right, you got it covered. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Josh, it's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you for talking to me. Absolutely. Thanks and for coming out. Definitely, we'll have to do another podcast in the future. Yeah. Without Thank you, doubt. sir. Absolutely.